every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this start grow. Come on around back, Arizona. It is Saturday morning, 8 o'clock. Outdoor living hour here at Rosie on the House, your Saturday morning tradition for over 33 years. And if you follow along in our home maintenance calendar, you know, the third Saturday of the month, we have Jay Harper in studio, third generation master gardener, fourth generation Arizona. And we're talking monsoon preparedness. And as Jay's busy with his chainsaw cutting his way through the street and through down power lines on his way down here this morning, the monsoon has hit. I say that. Most, most places. <laughs> we, we haven't got a single drop oh, man. at our house. Not one. Our neighbors, as the crow flies three miles away, pouring, standing water in their backyard. Not a drop. Our eyes are so crusted <laughs> from this <laughs> dust storm last night after doing chores. I, I'm still... Pulling sand out of my eyes. I, I blink and it feels like sandpaper. <laughs> oh, man. Well, but, that's kind of typical for Arizona monsoons to be kind of spotty. Um, I had an appointment at Scottsdale Ranch yesterday morning. And through the course of the whole meeting, not a drop, not even a, a, not even a wisp of breeze. Got in the car and headed back to the office, which was just less than a couple miles away. And... Trees were down, water was running down the the curbs of the streets. Uh, it, it was it was beautiful, and I mean, uh, the storm that hit East Mesa a couple weeks ago, the Tucson's getting ransacked. I saw somebody sent me a Facebook video of Flagstaff. I thought all of Flagstaff was going to flood down to Sedona. Oh man! I thought I thought Museum. NAU was moving their campus mudslides and Oak Creek. The museum fire burn scar. Uh, there was that video of that Prius floating down the street, and uh, it, it was mind-boggling. It looked like something out of a horror film. Well, we've been talking the last couple of weeks. Prepare, prepare, prepare. And now we're there. And now we're there. Yeah, that Flagstaff's a sad story, and everyone's pointing fingers at each other. You know, the county could have done this. No, that guy could have done that. We've got these sandbags. I mean, they're just big, huge finger pointing mess and pictures of mudslides and people having to shovel mud out of their oh, driveway man. just to get their vehicles out. So I think there's that, been... Go ahead, finish. I'm sorry. I was say, you know, I, a fire <clears throat> that size of the museum fire, I mean, what what, what can you really do? You know, don't be an Hindsight's, idiot to start a forest fire. It's mm. really the, the solution, but it's too late for that now. Well, I think somebody in Tucson must be praying for patience because it's going to take a lot of patience for all the people whose roofs were damaged. They're looking for roofers to show up this week. You know, we, people we've talked to have 100 people, clients waiting, lots of insurance claims, uh, not a lot of blue tarps left in Tucson. Yeah. So lots of patience, and uh, we'll, we'll help you get through as much as we can. But that's tough. Jennifer and I were traveling through a corner of Arizona just happens to be one of our little favorite corners of the state on Monday. And uh, on one in one morning's hike, we saw elk, deer, turkey, quail, and a bear. And it hailed on us at 52 degrees. <laughs> and that was this week. And we thought we were in heaven. We just absolutely thought, this 
is heaven. As so, long as you keep your distance from the bear. Yeah, it's heaven. <laughs> he, he, he was running the other direction quickly, so we weren't too intimidated by that. But uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful day in Arizona. So the monsoons are here. We've been coaching and talking y'all through prep the last couple weeks. You know, if, if your porch umbrella ended up in the neighbor's yard, you haven't been listening. <laughs> if your lawn furniture ended up in the swimming pool, you haven't been listening. If you experienced a roof leak, you weren't listening three months ago when we were telling you, maybe you should have your roofs checked now by a Rosie on the House certified roofer. Because I know one certified roofer in Tucson who ordinarily gets about 15 to 20 leads a week is now getting hundreds. Tucson was hit pretty hard. And uh, like Jennifer says, Pima County is running out of blue tarps <laughs> to cover all the rooftops. So everybody be patient. Take, a, take an extra potions of your patient medicine. Uh, sit tight. And should you be in a situation in a rainstorm where your house is leaking water inside the house, we always encourage you, try and find um, the point where you can drive a nail into your plaster or your drywall ceiling where you think and suspect the water is most congregating and put a bucket and catch that water. Don't let the water accumulate in your attic to bring the ceiling and the insulation down in a big, wet, sloppy mess all over your furniture and your flooring and your interior contents. If you see, if, if the leak is to the point where it's actually created a bow from the ceiling, the drywall or the plaster is actually bowing down into the room, you must puncture that hole. And uh, a, an ice pick is the perfect implement. A small Phillips head screwdriver will do the same thing. A 16-penny nail will do the same thing. Puncture the hole and be prepared to capture the water with a five-gallon bucket. And hang hang tight. Be your own Dr. Pimple Popper. Yes. that's oh. <laughs> As it relates to your yard, if you got rain, you might actually get weeds. It's been a long time since we've had to worry about those because we've had a lack of rain for so long. But those seeds and those uh, with all the wind spreading, you know, there is no shortages of weeds that will be popping up shortly. So, uh, if you did get rain, you've got enough moisture in your yard, you can run over to a lot of different areas. You can, uh, a, a good place, you know, Ewing Irrigation's open Saturday mornings till about 11, I believe, and get pre-emergent granular, granular or liquid. Um, if, like I said, if you got moisture, you should, it should be wet enough. You can apply it there to help anything from popping up. It is, you know, fall is one of the best times to plant in Arizona and not only plant, but, uh, weeds are very opportunistic and with this moisture, they will be coming. So you can stay on top of that. Um, if you are in a gravel landscape, liquid, I would probably suggest a lot more over the granules uh, as a preference, but uh, again, you have to water those in. And then you've got uh, a great time right now if you are planning on a 
gardening if you haven't started one before. It's a lot easier to dig, and the weather's <laughs> a lot nicer right now uh, than it is when it's uh, you know a little bit later in the day. The humidity, if the clouds burn off and the humidity rises, a great t- time to get out there and start digging, or get to a local rental yard and till get a rent a tiller and start getting your soil turned up. If you go the traditional route, a lot of gardens these days are above ground planters and we're big fans of that here at the at Rosie on the House for a lot of reasons. Um, the number of soil options is as it relates to potting and gardening. Uh, you can get bulk, you can buy bags, but just the ease of gardening, if you're doing it on a raised garden and just being able to stand and tend to your garden makes it a lot easier than getting down on your hands and knees, unless you've got kids to do the work for you, uh, you know, to weed and trim and harvest. And uh, there's a really neat concept called a keyhole garden that I've wanted to do uh, at the point where you are in a position we can start gardening again, just due to time restrictions. It's not feasible right now, but Picture an old-fashioned lock. You know, you've got the round keyhole, and then there's a triangle that comes down, you know, really old-fashioned. And You stick it in and you turn it. Well, it's called a keyhole garden because it's designed that same way. There's a round spot in the middle, and that's where you stand. And that triangle that comes off of it is where you walk into it. So it's almost 360, probably like 300 degrees around you. So you don't even have to walk in a rectangle around your garden. You can stand in one spot and rotate and harvest your entire garden. Or you could have two or three of these different types of keyhole gardens. You could have one for uh, vegetables. You could have one for uh, herbs. You know, Jay always says that's the most expensive thing at the store and the easiest to grow. Uh, little herb garden that way. You could have one for, uh, you know, melons. Melons are are a great crop. What was it? Two, two or three months ago, we had the melon farmers in, um, in our farm fresh hour with the yeah. Arizona Farm Bureau talking watermelon. And not, you know, we always think of melons as needing a lot of vertical. I'm sorry, a lot of horizontal space. but A lot you of real estate. A lot of real estate. You, do, you really don't need it. The plants themselves, if they're growing vertical uh, or they're you know, going down from your keyhole garden, if it's above ground, you know, the vines will just grow down and around and cascade. The vine itself will go strong enough to support whatever fruit it's growing. It's very rare to see one grow to the size that it breaks off. So you don't need a, a, the, the size of real estate, you would imagine. And when we had Russo Farm in, what was that, last week? I, I really two I, weeks I should ago. look it up. No, it was a couple of two weeks, weeks ago. ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, we had a caller call in and say, okay, so how do you pick a good watermelon from the grocery store that was never covered? Well, Tammy's point was, they go through the same field every day, and they're only picking what's ripe that day. So if you're picking one out of the grocery store, out of the big tubs in the front that say Russo Farms, it was picked that day. So you don't have to worry about one over the other. Good point. But a few things to look for if you're not at a store that's carrying Russo and it's coming right off of the farm. The, you, you want a spot on the melon itself, like where you can tell it was on the ground. If there's not a spot from where it was sitting, it's not ripe enough yet. 
you know, a lot of people might look at that as oh, a blemish. Oh, what a great tip. I never heard On of the that. watermelon. No, that's actually a good sign on the watermelon. And then the lines, you know how there's stripes on it? Uh, you don't want clean, crisp lines. You want a blended line, you know, you know like a, a blurred edge. If you were in your Photoshop and okay. you took the blur tool along yeah. the edge and you blurred it up, you want that, that intermix. And so those are a couple things you can look for if, again, you don't have a grocery store that's supplying Russo's that's coming right out of the field that day. Well, you talk about growing vertical melons. My cantaloupe are on a trellis this year. First year I've ever tried it. I now have one cantaloupe <laughs> about the size of a dime. <laughs> Gotta start somewhere. We're holding out. That sounds so good. I need help. And I can say this because I know John Eisenhower is still out of state. He taught us a word, scythering. Scytherism. And that is the sound of wind through tree leaves. Is there a name for the sound of rain through tree leaves? I can't find, you know, the right search way to do that. And if there isn't, I'm going to, we need to make one up. Invent one. And try and convince him next time he's on air next month that this is a real real term so if if you know the if there's a dictionary name for the sound of water excuse me rain coming through tree leaves you got to let us know and uh, if not suggest your name for what that should be scytherism is the sound of wind through leaves what's the sound of rain through leaves and if i sent you if a it video. doesn't exist we're gonna make it up how about delightful delightful's a good one <laughs> I sent Romeo. I, I was talking right about. Right now, I'm going to call it foreign. <laughs> <laughs> that works. As it relates to our you. property. I know, darn. <laughs> precious, precious. On our little hike this week, Jennifer and I were walking through quaking aspens with a little breeze blowing through it, and I shot a video of it and sent it to Romeo. I said, "Now this is Scythera." Oh man, <laughs> that that's a great sound. Oh man, that's a beautiful sound. It was beautiful. One of the biggest plant growers in America, and especially on the West Coast, is a company called Monrovia. If you've ever been to your local nursery or garden center, I guarantee you, you have seen their pots, little five-gallon, ten-gallon pots, and tons of different plants. And they published a list of low-water, high-beauty plants. So if you're looking for something with color but low-water use, Ooh. the this is a great ten-page uh, a PDF that they just put out, but like a lot of things, and you know, Jay, as you know, there's so many things that don't do well in Arizona. <laughs> so about half of these apply. Even things that are quote unquote low water may not take high heat. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> there's a lot of low water requiring plants, and and the the one that used to we used to kind of chuckle at. Oh, it's probably been 10 years ago now when succulents really got popular. You know, people were putting them in bridal bouquets and making all, you know, building walls out of succulents, you know, living walls and those kinds of things. Well, about 90% of those succulents won't live here in full sun. <laughs> people think they're succulents. They're related to cactus. They're drought tolerant. They go to California and they look at the banks of them on the highways and freeways and around the <clears throat> landscape there and well that 
Yeah, they never get any water, but it's 75 degrees and humid all day long, you know, and overcast every morning. So <laughs> you and do I have to say, watch the heat, the heat and cold tolerance of some of that low water requiring stuff. And there's a lot of places on those freeways in California that don't look good right now. I recently true. I had to go out, uh, went out to see family and there's a number of different areas. Like when you go through an overpass or an underpass here, there's a lot of rock art is what I would call it that mm-hmm. they do. And there's lizards or geckos that they've designed in and have different colors. Well, there's a lot of areas in California. It's that stacked bell guard paver system that's sloping up and they'll put a gap, put a row of plants in there. And, you know, there's times you go through there and it's just nothing but purple bougainvilleas or, you know, whatever the plants are. And right now, 90% of those are just brown. Yeah, I think, you know, the last big drought, you know, 10 years ago, I think California kind of committed to turning the water off on a lot of that stuff. And and they probably never turned it back on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they even have uh, a lot of areas that they just dry farm. You know, they they historically get enough rain that they don't even have irrigation. They just plant the seeds and around San Luis Obispo. Further north, Half those Mm -hmm. wine wineries don't even have irrigation run to them but yeah. they do now or they're starting to <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yet uh, yeah i talked to a, a a friend of mine yesterday that was hauling hay he summers his horses in colorado and he was hauling hay from here up there because you can't buy any hay in colorado because they they're, they don't have enough water they're not getting wow their third cuttings and they you know, normally they get three cuttings they're only getting two so they're hanging the guys that are Growing hay or hanging onto it for themselves instead of selling any, and so it's it, it's tough. We're getting some rain here, lots of it, as I heard you mention earlier in some places. But I talked to a, a guy that was at the cattle growers meeting in Springerville yesterday, and he said from Sholo to Springerville, it looks like a parking lot. It's awful. That's true, but I'll tell you this: if you go Springerville to Greer to Pine Top McNary, it's completely different. The other loop. Is, it's it's it we. We just finished that loop this week. And, John, you wouldn't even know you're in the same state. Isn't that something? It is. It is absolutely something. Well, yesterday, uh, I live at 64th and Greenway, and my parents live at 52nd Street and Greenway. It was pouring at our house. (laughs) And I went to, you hit 56th Street, it's like somebody had a wall built. There's a wall around all four sides of our property. But (laughs) (laughs) we get back, we'll cover these 10 plants and which ones work good for our state uh, and our climate here in Arizona because they they do have some beautiful plants here. Rosie on the house, if you'd like to join the conversation, 1-888-767-4348. Stayed up too late last night. Jennifer, Jennifer and I got home, started sprinkling. We said, let's just go sit on the back patio. We sat out there for about four hours just listening oh, to the rain. I, I thought, man, we stayed up late tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watch, was, our, watch our favorite TV show. The ceiling fans were on. The rain was pouring uh-huh. off the patio roof. I mean, I just could have stayed out there all night. Beautiful. It was. Beautiful. Absolutely delicious. Yeah, we were uh, 
We were at Christopher Creek last weekend. Oh, yes. And we had one of those old-fashioned oh. frog chokers, oh. you know, and it hailed, and then it rained, and it hailed, and the water's running down the road, and it went from, it was hot. It went from about 93 or 4 degrees in the shade on the deck to 68. Yes. In minutes. And Christopher Creek became white water? Oh, uh, probably muddy water. Yeah, well, muddy, but you get my drift. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Uh, it's uh, that part of the from there to to the White Mountains is probably pretty green. It's pretty green right around between Payson and Christopher Creek for sure. It it does look good. It looks yeah. pretty good. It just needs to keep keep going. Keep coming. I've talked to a good friend down in Sonoida. They're at six inches. I I heard seven. Oh, in baby. Places. And, yeah. And uh, uh, Gary Elam that owns the Elgin Winery posted a picture on Facebook yesterday afternoon of that Bobacomery Creek. That's who run, I was talking to. <laughs> it was running just under the bridge. Oh, the man. Yeah. Yes. Soak it up, Arizona. Yeah. Soak it up. Yep. All right. Plants that have a lot of color that are low water use, and like Jay said, may not they may be low water use. They might not be uh, heat tolerant. Right. Uh, the first one that we have listed here is the Purple Queen Bougainvillea. I know bougainvilleas do pretty good, but is I don't know about the purple queen specifically. Or if there's a big enough difference in the bougainvillea line to make it. Yeah, no, it's a good it, it's a good one, um, as well as a number of other bougainvilleas that you know are very obviously. Uh, you know, you tell people drive around in in July and August and see what looks good. It probably does okay here. <laughs> <laughs> We were talking about freeways with rock gardening. If you see a plant in them in the Phoenix area, chances are nine out of ten. If it's got yeah. any kind of red or purple color, it's a yeah. bougainvillea. So right now, you drive around, and you see bougainvilleas, and they look fine. You know that okay? They they'll do okay here. A lot of people don't like them because they can get real messy and they Ooh. do a lot of uh, sloughing oh, off and as it goes to the winter time. But well, those, so what you're seeing in color is actually a bract or a, or a modified leaf. It's not really a flower. And they, when they get, uh, spent or matured and they fall off, they're like paper. And so they, you can have a bougainvillea a half a mile away <laughs> down the street and it can end up, that stuff can end up in your yard if the, depending on how the wind's blowing. And if you have a swimming pool. It'll find it. it it'll find it. Yeah. My carport. Has bougainvillea all the right time. up into the yeah. into the carport. I just yeah. call the cor- carport bougainvillea land. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. cleaning it up every day. Yeah, you were talking about succulents. This one is a neat plant I'd never seen before. Blue chalk stick. I'm guessing that's probably one of those that you would need a microclimate or north facing. If- that that guy is going to probably do best, um, you know, on the east side or even as a as a. You know, we didn't talk about is our hardy plants for containers. You know, growing things in pots this time of year can be a challenge because they need to be watered so frequently. And if you don't have them set up on a drip system and you go out of town for a few days, you know, a lot of stuff, you come home and all your stuff in pots is dead. Well, that's a great one. Some of these succulents that won't tolerate the full sun or the extreme heat from the full sun still do very well in containers on a patio or an entryway where they get some relief, maybe some afternoon shade. And that one does reason, reasonably well here in a situation like that. It, it, it's related to ice plant. And there are some ice plants that do well here in full sun. But uh, 
That one would probably be better in afternoon shade. What about the artichoke agave? That one, fabulous plant. That's really pretty. That's I mean, actually it's... a you know those agave uh, peri eyes um, are actually native to places in Arizona. There's different uh, cultivars of them or hybrids of them, um, but uh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. And it's named just because it looks exactly like if you're getting ready to start eating an artichoke, it does. but it's a big agave. That's a yeah, beautiful plant. It does. There was a, a yellow one in there, the uh, Colorado Gold Treasure Flower. Yeah, I missed that one. Okay. Um, is uh, Looks like a gazania, perhaps. Yep. Um, okay. So, gazania, yeah. Linares, Colorado. Gazanias have been around a long time. There's a bunch of different cultivars of them. Most of them do, do pretty darn well uh, in in full hot sun areas. And I'll mention one more here, the uh, brake light red yucca. I really like those. If you have ever driven by Cabela's in the West Valley, that whole Glendale Avenue uh, in front of yeah. Cabela's has a ton of these. And the Hesperalos, have, you know, there have been a, been a lot of breeding going on there. There's yellow ones and pink ones and the brake light red and a number of those, and they're all very, very hardy here. And they, they do well in containers. They do well in the ground. They'll do well. If something will grow in a parking lot, <laughs> in a little strip in a parking lot, you know it's tough. <laughs> and and you see a lot of those uh, in and around asphalted parking lot areas, gravel areas. So, yeah, it's a, it's a toughie. Monrovia grows for all parts of the country. If you want something a little more localized, you've heard us mention Water Use It Wisely before, and they just got done redesigning their website. And there's a link on the front page uh, for the plant of the month. They actually have five plants that can take the heat of the southwest. And uh, right along the same theme of color, this one, uh, the brush lantana, a nice red bloom on it. They've got the Spanish lavender. I like that smell. Lavender, yeah, I I don't, <laughs> but they're pretty I, and they're tough. So you know, I um, somebody in the family had one growing up, and I don't remember who. Mm. But every time I pass that aroma, it's like, oh, that's that's just like going to grandpa's house. It was just there was oh, yeah. one out in front yeah. when you passed it. So it's just and the same with jasmine. Like they haven't had jasmine oh, on my talking. baby K's backyard for years. But every time I smell jasmine, I just you know, I, I just picture the whole scene and the family in the backyard on the grass and the fireworks going off in the summer. But you've got the uh, a pink mule grass. Pink muley. Muley grass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 the muhlenberges are very hardy here, do very well here. They're very popular. You see a lot of them. And the pink one, in the fall, it gets a very wispy bloom, and it has... Uh, you know, a pinkish tint to it. And if, if they're kind of planted in a mass and you get a little breeze, but what was the word of the wind blowing through the... Scissorism. Scissorism. Well, you can't really hear any scissorism with these because they're so fine, but you can see it. It's like a mist. The name implies there, there's a, a trademarked variety called Regal Mist, and it does look like a pink mist kind of uh, blowing in the wind out there with those in the fall. It's pretty. 
So, and Phoenix and Tucson both have great botanical gardens. If you are new to the desert or you just think uh, there's nothing native that will look pretty or give color, just go spend some time at those and take notes, write them down. Everyone at those uh, gardens are a lot of them are volunteer and they're very happy to share information and give you probably more than you were going there to look for anyway. And if you're brave enough to go this time of year, go early in the morning, obviously, but they're not as crowded and you can get a little more one-on-one time. Same way with the nursery or garden center. Um, I mean, don't punish those folks and go at one o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> and make them wander around out in the nursery with you. But <laughs> They've been there since 530 or 6, watering plants, and this time of year they're standing plants back up every day because they've blown over. But <laughs> go in the morning, when, and, and you know, you, you get great service this time of year because they're not as busy. And we're going <laughs> into our fall planting season. What uh, are. <clears throat> what can we be expecting to plant in our backyards? Well, if you're landscape planting, some of the plants you mentioned would obviously be very good ones. You know, bougainvilleas and red Mexican bird of paradise and uh, lantana is always a good one this time of year. Very tough. Uh, if we're talking about, you know, vegetables, right now it's kind of just get ready. You know, probably pulling out dead tomato plants um, that that have finally even given up the ghost or they're just not producing. I'm not a big advocate of trying to keep tomatoes and peppers alive during the summer and shading them and all of that malarkey to try and get them to, to produce again in the fall. Plant new ones in the fall, they're $2.99. You know, um, you spent more than <clears> that in the water and shade material. Absolutely. And the fretting. The fretting. Oh, and the worry. All the fretting you do over it. Yeah, you know, and, and water. Um but uh, so right now, you know, kind of tearing stuff out, reevaluating, uh, and starting to plan and prep. You know, it's not too early. Uh, a lot of our organic farmers are starting to put compost down on their fields, till in the compost. So kind of take a tip from them, do the same thing. I do have a question about that. And yeah. I'm, it's selfish because it's about my garden. I, I did rip out the artichoke, the tomatoes. My mm-hmm. okra's doing good. My vertical yeah. uh, cantaloupe's doing good. Uh, peppers are out. So that leaves a whole two-thirds of my garden empty. I've got a gorgeous, big old compost pile. Mm-hmm. Do I turn that in now, or do I wait for my winter lettuce plant in September? Well, if you're going to plant in September— then sure, you know, it would... Hold would, off? Uh, no, I would start turning your, taking oh. your compost and working it okay. into the garden now, absolutely. Maybe, okay. Maybe do a little and see how, you know, because it'll settle sometimes when you put it on and you, know, you need to add a little more. But absolutely, I'd be doing that. The other thing that even throwing some of that on top of the ground and not working it in like a mulch, use it as a mulch oh. just on top, will will help control some weeds. If you have bare dirt... You mentioned, you know, with the rain and the and the wind, we're going to get weed seeds blowing into the garden. Um, so putting some mulch on top will will help shade that ground. Will help keep the moisture there, you know, and and, and uh, keep the weeds down. And then till it in, you know, in a couple of weeks. But no, it's not too early to start prepping and tilling in compost. And then take that lettuce and stuff that you know that as it you know, start adding back to your compost pile again. You know, Rosie's a huge composter, but it's 
we've gone to the next level because instead of just getting out a bowl every day and putting your stuff in there, we bought a pretty little compost thing on the counter. Oh, yeah. And so you have a place to put it. You can cover it. And you're much more, we are much more likely to use it. So that's, that has really increased our compost Is contribution. It a stainless steel? Well, we bought a really pretty green ceramic one. Oh. With a little, but they have all, I was looking them up. There's, you can find them real easy, you know, countertop compost bin. Does it, it have just, a lid and it's got some holes in mm-hmm. it and yeah. a filter yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Make if sure I could garden as good as daily, I could compost, fly bugs, gnats start yes. to yes, absolutely. like a day or two. No, it stays un- covered. Well, no, even covered. A yeah. day or two not emptying mm-hmm. it. And we found that you end up with bugs all over your kitchen. But it's amazing yeah. how they, like, where did these come I from? I know, right? They're in there. Those eggs are in there. But it beats the heck out of a bowl where you have to look at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, make it as easy as you can and it'll probably work, right? So if, you, if you've got a little deal like that on your counter that you... So you fill it up, and then when it's full, you take it out and add it to your compost pile. Perfect. As we were talking about planting and gardening, the next step, once you've got your compost in your soil, is your seeds. And just like uh, these plant lists that are companies that produce plants for the entire country, uh, so do seed companies, and not all seeds that you find, even though they might be in a store located in your neighborhood, doesn't necessarily mean that it's a great producing plant for this climate. Right. Nothing wrong with the seed. It's just that that variety might not be the best for, for here. Um, so do some homework on varieties, and you can go to the you know, U of A Cooperative Extension Service, and they have a list of vegetables and planting dates and varieties, you know, by the calendar. That's a good place to start. Um, there's all kinds of Facebook groups out there anymore that you can get on and ask <laughs> questions, and you'll get probably more opinions than you care for. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with no, sl- no, no, no harm in it. But I mean, I used to tell people, they'd ask, what variety of tomato do you like? I said, well, you ask, if you ask five people, you'll get 15 answers. You know, <laughs> it's hard to nail it down, and there's more than one option, and everybody has a favorite. But uh, and there's nothing wrong with trying something new, and there's a lot of um, well, I, seeds I like remember. what a dollar ninety nine, two forty nine, <laughs> whatever for a packet of seed, and and there's probably ten times more in there than you need anyway. Yeah, and, and I can't remember the exact term for it, but it's like companion plant. Like if you plant, mm-hmm. and I'm going to make this up because I don't know, but if you plant. Uh, uh, snap peas also plant radishes because one complements the other. and So there's a lot of content about that, but I, I think your advice has always been the best. If it's not something you like, don't plant it. Well, absolutely. <laughs> That's the first like. thing is plant plant what you like. If you do happen to succeed, <laughs> you're going to have a lot of it probably. And, uh, you know, make sure that you or, or, or other members in your family like to eat it. And, you know, the, the, the kind of the converse of that is if you want to get your kids to like vegetables, let them help you and let them pick what you're going to grow. As long as it's something that will grow here, let them decide or let them have a little have a row or a corner of the garden. I guarantee you if they have invested in that garden and they've grown it and, and nurtured it and, and then go out and pick it, they're probably going to eat it. And they'll probably learn to like it. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, seeds are one thing. And then 
you don't need to plant seeds on everything. There are certain things that, you know, if you're only going to plant two or three of them, um, you know, maybe the, the wisest way to go is to actually buy something that's already started. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I just do it. You know, like I said, grow what you like to eat. If you don't like spinach, don't grow a row, whole row of spinach. Um, so, uh, grow what you like and find out what time it does well here. And then you, you know, it's pretty easy to come up with what varieties to grow that do well here. There's plenty of information out there. Jay, could I, could I, uh, grow watermelon radishes in this environment? Watermelon radishes? Yeah. It's a little bit different than a radish. Uh, I don't know. I would. Okay. I don't see why not. Usually you can grow about any. It's just the, what time of year do you grow it. So, ah, okay. Um, you know, root crops are generally grown in the wintertime here. So we, we think of things that you eat the, the, the root of, maybe a modified or part of the stem of or the leaf of the plant. Those are typically cool season vegetables, which that's what we're getting ready to and starting to prep for is planting for our cool season garden. So root crops, leaf crops, uh, you know, modified stem or flower like so cauliflowers, cabbage, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, spinach, lettuce, arugula, uh, and then carrots, beets, turnips, radishes coming into that season. I do enjoy gardening, but as I mentioned, our schedule just isn't prohibitive of it right now. What I've really become a fan of are trees. You know, you they the amount that one tree can produce after it's matured a little bit. Um, tree fruit, fruit, right, fruit trees, right. I mean, okay. we we were picking lemons as late as May. Uh, Landry'd go out there and pull a couple off and come in and squeeze them for lemonade. Our apples, uh, we had some anti apples that were still. Uh, I saw a tree full of anti apples yesterday going wow. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And even as they start to go bad, you can the horses will still eat them up um, if it's past what human mm-hmm. consumption likes. Mm-hmm. But um, the horses will still eat them up, and you don't have to put in <clears throat> near the day to day labor. You can leave for a True. weekend and not yeah. have to worry about coming back. And, and you know, if you you have the right gone. varieties, you can be picking something almost year round. And on, that's uh, our from citrus to summer fruits like peaches, apricots, plums, and apples, back to citrus. And, you know, some varieties of citrus, like limes. I've got a little Mexican lime that there's maybe just a few weeks out of the year it doesn't have a harvestable lime on it. Yeah. Though, so. Those are wicked, though. They come with a lot of thorns. Yeah, you can does. buy, you can find <laughs> thornless thornless? Oh, varieties, good. but the one I have. I didn't find one when I found well, I let them fall on the ground. I don't even attempt to try and pick them off the tree. They'll, you will come out bloodied. <laughs> Jay Harper, The Farm's Choice. Thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us. Thanks, John. Listen, y'all, if you get our newsletter, you know we're going to have a little bit of a contest the rest of the broadcast. We're going to be talking next hour about do-it-yourself projects you tried and failed on. You can call and not give your real name, but if you'll share with us do-it-yourself projects that failed, you will be entered to win Diamondback tickets for the suites to join us at one of three upcoming games. So if you have that do-it-yourself story, be prepared to call the show next hour. one 767 4348 That's one rosie for you